Welcome to the Real Estate Survival Guide, the show that teaches realtors how to create a thriving real estate business. What is up, guys? John Shookman here. Hope you guys are doing well and appreciate you guys for listening to today's episode. So excited to have you guys with me today and jump back into the interviews. I know this year's kind of been a little strange, right? Sometimes doing them, sometimes not. Uh, it's just kind of life's been crazy. But for May, I kind of had some interviews batched out like I had shared, uh, but then decided to kind of do that series that we talked about uh, creating more margin and balance in your life and feeling less overwhelmed and was glad to do it, but excited to jump back into the interviews with you guys today. We got uh, we got four awesome interviews here coming in June, and I'm excited to start it off with my friend Mike Swenson. Mike is absolutely amazing as he helps uh, people learn about investing through the membership and mastermind he runs that you'll hear more about. Uh, and also how he helps his investor clients. So Mike's a great resource. Make sure you check out all the links and stuff I have in the show notes to connect with Mike. And if you want to connect with Mike about you know the membership that he runs for investors, I'd be happy to make a connection. I've been on the calls and they're absolutely amazing, so I'd love to make a connection for you. So enjoy this interview with Mike Swenson, and I'll talk to you guys at the end of the interview. Welcome to today's episode of the Real Estate Survival Guide podcast. Guys, I'm so excited to have you with me. I know we took some time off in May from interviews to have some solo episodes, uh, so I'm so glad to be back and excited to bring you our guest today. So our guest today is Mike Swenson. He is a realtor in Minnesota, in the St. Paul area, working mostly with investors he has a great podcast, The Real Freedom Podcast. So it's spelled R-E-L, Freedom Podcast. And Mike connected with me through Podmatch, and I was a guest on his show, and we said, wow, you'd be a great guest for mine. He spent six years in residential real estate and now works mostly with investors, but I'm just excited. And guys, he's building out a membership for investors that I'm super excited about, and we've been talking membership for a couple months as he saw me build mine out. So Mike, so excited for you and all the steps you're taking. Welcome to the Real Estate Survival Guide. It's an honor to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here and excited to uh, to hopefully share some, some information with the audience that's helpful. Absolutely. Mike is the only Vikings fan that I like. Um, <laughs> we got talking about the NFL draft, which was a few weeks ago as we started recording. But Mike, go ahead and just take us back. We'll get into your story a little bit as we get started before we kind of get into the investing piece. How did you even, you know, you spent, like I said, six years in the residential space. How did you kind of get started in real estate just from the very beginning? Yeah. Well, the the funny story is I, so I was a, an entrepreneurship major in college. This is back in 2000, early 2000s. And I didn't want to take a risk and start my own business or help somebody start their own business right out of college. And so I got uh, a year and a half into college and I was like, I need to add a second major because that was, believe it or not, entrepreneurship. People didn't even know how to pronounce it. They didn't really know that it, it wasn't cool back then. And so people were wondering like, what what is this entrepreneurship degree? So I was looking at two different things that I wanted to potentially major in to get a job out of of college. And so one was finance. Um, and the other one is I thought real estate. Maybe there would be a a value add opportunity for for people that are looking to, you know, I can I could get my real estate license, potentially pursue something there. So I took two thirds of the courses that I needed to get licensed in real estate 
and determined, well, I could go back and do that later. So I ended up choosing finance and majored in finance. And uh, so I got a job out of college working in, as a financial analyst for two years for a nonprofit. Um, that eventually turned into operations and did operations for eight years. And then that's how I transitioned to operations in real estate. And so in the meantime, when I wasn't in real estate, I had flipped a home. Um, I work construction in college. And so I love being outside, working outside, working on homes. And so I, you know, kind of house house hacked a few things, worked on projects as we bought and sold our own residential um, properties along the way, and then got into to real estate on the residential side as an admin. I didn't want to be the 24-7 realtor um, that had to do showings on nights and weekends, but I was like, hey, as an admin, I can do that. I can kind of be more nine to five-ish. Um, and get into real estate, use my operations gifts and help grow a real estate uh, real estate team. And so we did that. We grew from half a dozen agents doing 150 transactions to about 50 or 60 agents mm-hmm. um, doing over 600 transactions in the course of six years. We were in multiple states. And then I decided to, to launch my own team, um, mm-hmm. did that in 2020 quickly flipped over to the the investor side and have been working with investors now for the last couple of years. Yeah, a lot of good stuff there. So take me back even, you know, and I love these conversations because they're not scripted. So I didn't even know this was going to come up. But like, so you start your own team in 2020, COVID hits. Like, so how did you kind of handle all of that with the pandemic? Was there anything you had to do differently with your agents or, you know, how did that kind of affect them and their business? And how did you kind of encourage and coach them during that? Yeah, so the the funny story was uh, leading up to launching my own team, like we we had wound down our, our previous team, um, and so I knew kind of six months previous that this was going to be happening. We're going to start to wind down the team, and and then eventually I was going to be without a job, um, you know. And, and so that's when I decided to continue with real estate and launch my own team. So my first day unemployed. Um, on my own team was literally the first day of COVID shutdown. That's how that's how the timing works. So it's like, oh my I'm sitting here Monday morning. I had just gotten my license because I was on the admin side previously. So I had no clients, didn't really know what I was going to do. I had a person on my team that I'd hired that was going to kind of recruit and and hire, uh, hire the agents uh, because it was going to be through our previous team. It was going to be another location of our previous team. And then it, it ended up being our, our own team on our own. So it was the two of us, you know, just newly licensed trying to figure out what to do. And, you know, we didn't, we didn't know if we were going to have to show homes and hazmat suits or what, or how <laughs> right. that was going to yeah. work, or, you know, are we, are we, you know, bringing gallons and gallons of hand sanitizer? What do we do? So, I still had a lot of things that I needed to to build out because right, I'm an admins ops person. Um, so I really took the the first few weeks and kind of the first month or two building out the admin systems because I wanted to recruit agents, help them grow, give them processes to follow, um, kind of all the processes that I'd built on my previous team. So I actually kind of took that time to to build out a lot of the systems that we ended up you know, once we transitioned to investors, everything changed. But I kind of took the first month or two and just created spreadsheets, created manuals, created this and that and the other um, while we were figuring out what the heck would happen in COVID because we we had no client base. And so, um, you know, we, we didn't know what was going to happen. So we kind of pushed pause for a little bit. And then, you know, mid to late summer started, you know, ramping up operations and doing residential sales. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, no, that that's great. Tell me... Um, I, I mean, I know you were more like on the on the behind the scenes 
uh, part in the residential side. But uh, just, you know, I know a lot of what we're going to talk about today is like investing because that's what you focus on, right? You've got the podcast talking about investing and building, you know, freedom through it. You've got the amazing membership for investors that you're getting getting started. What made you decide, hey, let's like instead of residential kind of being more on the investment side? Yeah, it it really started when I first got into real estate on the admin side. I assumed, and I often tell people this, like I assumed agents made money hand over fist, right? I hadn't been <laughs> exposed to the to the residential side, right? Yeah. It was kind of the the HGTV thing that people see. And so I just assumed agents were making a ton of money. They had a bunch of investment properties because the few agents that I knew did have investment properties on the side. And so I kind of thought that's what everybody was was like. And I got into real estate and realized, you know, agents are selling a home to to be able to pay for their next mortgage payment, to be able to figure out how to put food on the table. Yeah. A lot of them were doing the same year in real estate for 20 years and looking up and saying, I have nothing to show from it in terms of retirement. Um, I'm an agent till the day I die, right? Some people kind of wear that as a badge of honor. Like, oh, I'm going to be an agent till I die. Well, what if you didn't have to be an agent till the day that you died? You you could you could cherry pick the business you wanted to, but you didn't have to do it out of need. So that was my exposure early on, and that always kind of stuck with me. Of we got to solve this this issue out there, which is agents struggling to get by. Um, we are in a in an industry that can be highly paid. We sometimes lack strategy and focus. You know, everybody wants to get into real estate to make unlimited income and have complete time freedom. And what they don't realize is it takes a lot more time than you think to make the income you want to make. And hey, if a buyer wants to go look at a property that comes on the market this afternoon, I got to go do that to be able to, to, to make the money to feed my family. Now, if you have leverage in place, you don't have to do that as much. If you put a team in place, maybe you don't have to do that as much. That's the value of being on a team. But I, I saw that. And so when I got back to my own team and we started to work with investors, I saw, hey, we, we got to figure out a way to solve this. How do we help agents think about the future more than just their next sale? How do we think about not beginning every year at zero? And, and how do we start to, to plant some of those seeds where you've got some recurring income, you've got some wealth building that's happening? Because the reality is, is you're, you're in the industry that most millionaires are made. Mm -hmm. And so we have all the tools and experience, we have all the tools and knowledge and, and vendor contacts at our disposable to, to utilize. And we haven't utilized that. And so, you know, if, if you look at Wall Street, if I've got an inside beat on, on buying a stock and I go to buy that stock or sell that stock, I can go to jail for insider trading. Mm -hmm. Yet in real estate, I don't have that, right? Mm -hmm. I have all the inside knowledge I need. I have all the tools at my disposal and I'm not using that. And so I want to help agents realize the gold mine they're sitting on by being able to figure out how to, to invest in real estate while building their sales business and eventually be able to cherry pick and decide I get to run my sales business how I want because I have the investment side building passive income, building wealth for me. Yeah. It's so, man, I just, I love everything about what you're just saying. You So you kind of mentioned, right? Those two things. If you don't have to be an agent till the day you die, gold mine you're sitting on for a realtor, right? This is me, right? You know, my story, you had me on your podcast and it was awesome to be on like, how do you encourage a realtor who's just in residential and hasn't even kind of like taken off the horse blinders 
like, hey, there's this potential here for an investment. No, you're not going to go broke. It's you're like, how do you kind of coach those agents on like just even getting those baby steps in investing? Well, I think it starts with the mindset, right? So I'm a, I'm a big mindset guy. So it starts with, I'm not just an agent. I'm also an investor. And you can be an investor with zero properties, right? Just like when we held client events and people are like, well, I don't want to invite my my friends and family because they're not clients. Well, they're potential future clients, right? <laughs> so when you when you think about it differently, it opens up your mind. So now I can invite all my friends and family that like as a new agent to my my team's client event because I they're future clients. It's the same thing. I'm also I'm an agent and I'm also an investor. I'm an investor with zero properties. So what I'm doing is figuring mm. out how to get to that first property. And so it's deciding you have to devote some time to this too. And I think, you know, as agents, we tend to be firefighters, right? I'm always putting out the most urgent fire in front of me and I've got to take some time to plan ahead and think about what my investment future might be. So it might be researching opportunities. It might be looking at properties that I may be interested in investing in in the future. It might be looking, talking to a lender, right? As an agent, do we know a lender? We do, right? So what do you have out there for investors? And what what I, I did this when I first got started on the admin side, I talked to a lender and I said, hey, I want to put on my dream board having this lakeshore property in my community. I want you to tell me what would my income have to be currently so that I could afford that property because I need to be able to connect A to Z. And so he told me, and he he I told him what I made. I told him what my what my wife made. Um, and he kind of said, "Okay, here's what you would need to do to get there." Right. Mm -hmm. Same thing here. We could ask a lender. Okay, if I were to buy a flip property or if I were to buy a duplex for myself, what would need to happen? What would you need to see on my income to be able to make that happen? The other secret here is commercial lenders. You don't have to qualify based on your current income because you can qualify based on the potential income of the properties. And so then it's coming up with the down payment. So I don't have to think, well, what's my credit score right now? It's what does this property have to show for income to be able to qualify? And now for the down payment, okay, what can I contribute? And maybe I find a business partner that might help me out. And so I think we tend to we tend to give ourselves excuses to get out of this conversation. I don't have the money. I don't have the consistent income, right? I'm a 1099. I don't have a salary. So all these reasons why I can't invest. And it's like, well, what if you had the property and you had the loan lined up and all you were missing was some of the money? Okay, I could go find that. So mm -hmm. let's figure out how do you go find that money? It's It could be a partner. It, do, it doesn't have to be you. And also realizing that person may take a little bit of time. I'm not just going to pick up the phone and call three people and have the money. For your first one, it might take a little bit more time to do that. So, you know, I had interviewed somebody early on in my podcast journey, and he was talking about when he got started, he had to call 100 banks to be able oh to find the one yeah. that provided the loan that helped him get started. But I've told people in the past, if I told you, John, all you have to do is call 100 banks to get the one that's going to give you the loan to get your investment journey started, would you do that? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, you probably would. Yep. So so treat it like that, right? It's like counting the no's. How many no's to get to the yes on the on the residential side mm-hmm. um, when you're doing your lead generation calls? So I think it's we sometimes make too many excuses or give ourselves a free pass to not think about it. And so what do we need to do to start thinking about it? And it's just like working out a muscle. You're going to get better and better. So I started by analyzing deals and I had somebody that told me might go analyze five deals a day. Well, you can pretty quickly analyze like now I can analyze five deals in a minute because most of them don't work out, right? I know the numbers enough to know what's not going to work out and the ones that are good enough now I spend a little bit more time on. Well, just like I picked up that 10 pound barbell my first time working out or you know whatever that is for you to get up to the 50 pound barbell it's you just got to start start working out exercising your investment muscles to get stronger at it oh that's so good because i think even with real estate clients right even you know investments or clients we kind of think like oh i can't do it this is too hard well and it's just you know i've often said on here and in the membership how i coach realtors i've often said like it gets easier and they're like well no this is well, my first deal, I still remember four years ago, the first deal I ever wrote a contract on, like an offer. And I think it took me seven or eight hours. <laughs> right now, I can go into dot loop and do all that paperwork in probably 30 minutes, probably with my eyes closed. Normally, I'm watching the Phillies or sports of some sort and just doing it. And it's kind of like it just happens. And so I love that about stretching that muscle. So, you know, and I know some of this is in your membership and you can teach people, but just kind of briefly, I often hear from people that I coach, oh, no, I can't invest. The rates are too high. It's only off market deals. What are you saying to a first time investor? Like, does it have to be off market? Like, what does the numbers have to look like on a very like high level? What do they need to be looking for? Yeah, I'll tell you that most of our deals. So we've been at this now for over two years. Most of our deals with investors are on market properties, right? That starts with a that that starts with a mindset shift, right? What we found is a lot of the off market deals. So to to do this at a larger scale, the off market deals, um, yes, they're out there, right? You don't have financials as easily. You don't always have photos. A lot of times, the off market sellers don't want their tenants to know that they're looking to sell. So I've been through property tours where it's under the guise of, you know, we're doing an insurance inspection. We've got the rental permit coming up. And so I'm coming through to do a pre-inspection. Like (laughs) it's a lot harder to go through that. So when I'm looking to do something at scale, I can run numbers a lot of times now agents aren't always great at putting in the financials on an investment property or putting in what the current rents are and the current leases are in the MLS. But I can find my, I can essentially either say yay or nay quicker for something on market than I can off market. Off market, it's here's the six pieces of information I need to be able to recommend this to my investor. And it might take two weeks to go get it. So off market properties tend to be more of a slog for us. And what we also find is you're looking for the red flag. You know, with any investment property, you're looking for the red flag. With off-market stuff, there tends to be more red flags or more potential deception out there. Not that that wouldn't exist on the MLS. It just, it takes a little longer. 
And you've got to do a little bit more sleuthing to kind of decide, yes, I want to talk to my investor about this opportunity because that's what I'm doing is my investors, not really the ones combing through these opportunities. It's me putting them in front of our investor saying, hey, I think this might be something worth looking at. And so that's where I'm doing that that grunt work. If I, if I want an investor to say, yes, I have to do a little bit more legwork to say, I've already weeded through these deals. Here's the top two or three that I think are worth looking at. And you know they, they might say yes to one of those, or they might say no to all three. And then I got to go find three more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's so, it's just, you're so right. And I, I really appreciate the insight. So tell us about how do you decide, like in your portfolio, is this a property that this is a rental? Is this a property that could be a short-term rental? like, you know, an Airbnb, how do you kind of differentiate what you put, like when you see a property, hey, this makes sense as a rental, Airbnb, something like that? Yeah, the the thing that that we talk about sometimes is the property speaks to you, right? Okay, um, yeah. Depending on the purchase price, the location, how much work needs to be done to fix it, fix it up, how much rent it could potentially command after it's fixed up, you might determine you know, hey, this is a flip. If I don't think I can rent it out mm-hmm. for what I need to make this from a, a profit from a cash flow perspective, well, then I'm going to flip it. If I need to put in X amount of dollars and it's going to command great rents and I can make it cash flow, well, then I'll buy and hold. If it's in a community that's strong for short term rentals or even like a medium term rental for traveling professionals, mm-hmm. traveling nurses, um, if you're in a large community where there's a lot of people coming in and you could rent it out for a month or more, there might be a midterm opportunity. So it's kind of the the property speaks to you. The challenge is, is it takes a little bit of time, right? It's it's the flexing of the muscle here to get to that point where I can look at it and say, yeah, here's what I think is the best use for it. It takes a little bit of time. And I think once again, that's another reason why an agent might struggle and say, well, I don't know yet. So now I'm just going to be like an ostrich and put my head in the sand and not look at a rental property. Mm-hmm. No, that's that's really good insight on like just looking at the numbers and stuff. What would you say, and I hear this a lot, this was me for a period of time. What would you say to that person who says, uh, no, rentals are a horror story, like I'm not going to buy a rental. I mean, I I know that like really the bad news is going to spread faster than the good news. Just like if you go to a restaurant and you have great service, you might tell someone, but you, if you if you have awful service, you're probably going to tell everyone you know. But is it just like stop listening to the horror stories? Like what would you say to someone that's kind of scared of that? I would say uh, I'm a real estate professional. I'm not a property manager. And so the way to get an arm's length away is to find a good property manager that that's what they do well is manage properties. I don't have to know how to market a property and place a tenant, screen a tenant, but I know a property manager can come to me and say, Mike, here's this prospective tenant or here's two or three prospective tenants. Is this the one you'd like to choose? Hmm. I can also say, hey, there's a plumbing issue the property manager either does the work themselves or goes and vets out some vendors to be able to do the work. And they come to me and say, Mike, here's the two plumbers we talked to. Here's what the cost's going to be. And so I think sometimes too, the other thing is when we're analyzing properties, we're putting in, here's what a property manager would cost. So we're not buying or encouraging somebody to buy a property 
based on the financials now, it includes a property manager. And then if that person decides they want to do property management themselves, okay, great. And yet then sometime in the future, as your as your portfolio scales, when you go to hire a property manager, mm-hmm. that money's already built in where now it doesn't go from profitable to unprofitable because yeah. you decide to hire a property manager. So I would say to that too, I don't want to be a property manager. That's why I want to hire it out. And right because we're agents and we're in the field and we've got vendors who is a good property manager that you know you know yeah. now i will say it sometimes takes time to find a good one and just like finding a good realtor fit sometimes you have to you know interview a few property managers to find the great property manager fit because they need to be excited about managing your property. If they're not excited about it, Mm. right? Like we have these clients that are difficult. We're less excited to work with these difficult clients or clients whose personalities kind of don't gel with us as well. It's the same thing for them. There's properties that are in their wheelhouse and properties that aren't. Locations that are in their wheelhouse, locations that aren't. And then you've got the personality factor of working with them and what your expectations are. But I would suggest... If you don't want to play property manager, don't play property manager. Mm. Find a property that you can hire out a great property manager. And then they're the ones taking all those calls. They're the ones handling those issues that we tend to not Mm. want to deal with. Well, and I love what you said too. What I love is like you're with your clients as you know, with your investors, you're running the numbers as if they're hiring a property manager, even if they don't want to, because you want to make sure in a year when this is too much or you're too busy or you're, you know, you have a family health issue, you can hire a property manager and it's still, you know, a positive cash flow. So good, man. Tell us, you know, I want to, I want to honor your time. And as we kind of get towards the end, I would just kind of, I also want to hear more about the podcast and the membership. Take us back. I love asking this, take us back to a point. Now this could be when you switch your, you know, do your own team, take us back to a point where you were going through a really tough situation. I'd love to kind of hear in hindsight, what would be a piece of advice you would give that version of yourself? Yeah. So for me, it was the decision to start the team. You know, when we were shifting our previous team and I was looking up and seeing like, okay, because at that time I was a W-2 employee, right? Remember, I didn't become an entrepreneur out of college because I didn't want to take the risk or I wasn't willing to take the risk. So I worked for 15 plus years as a W-2 employee and I looked at, okay, is there other real estate teams that maybe I could join and and be in that COO role like I was? Um, Is there other opportunities in real estate that I could do or could I use my administrative operations gifts in another industry, right? Because real estate's hard. (laughs) It's a challenge. Mm -hmm. And so I was kind of deciding what to do. And I said, you know what? I've helped other people build their wealth. I want to work on my own. And so I took that risk to Mm -hmm. do it myself. Now, I will say it's the hardest challenge I've ever done. Um, And at the same time, I I was at that point where I was ready to bet on myself and to be able to to do the things that I want to do um you know to to be able to not have to you know I can follow my own schedule right I I haven't gotten to the make whatever I want to make yet mm-hmm. and at the same time I'm building a schedule and a life that I'm happy with being able to to see my kids you know being able to coach my son's baseball team this year like those are the things that I'm excited about being able to do myself and at the same time I have a ton of business challenges but I got to bet on myself and so that yeah. was kind of that that tipping point for me. And so the last, you know, three plus year journey is me betting on myself and I've enjoyed it. 
Not that it's perfect, but I've right. enjoyed it. You know, before we get to your advice to agents, I would love to hear, uh, I sometimes ask this, you know, you're married, you got kids, like in, in everything you're doing, you know, working for investors, what does balance look like? What does margin look like? And how do you kind of balance family time with work and all and everything you have going on? Yeah, so so one of the the sneaky secrets of why I like working with investors is every agent's different. I get to work a little bit more nine to five Monday through Friday than than a normal agent because mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not looking for for my client's next home and it comes on the market on Friday night or Saturday. Um, <laughs> right. Most of the agents listing investment properties, there's just a little bit more of a, a business hours type mentality to it, and so. I'm writing offers at night. I work with investors that are on Pacific time sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's two hours earlier. And so I'm here in central time. And so, you know, after I've put my kids to bed at 930, I'll hop on a call and we'll talk about writing up an offer. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it's, you know, six, seven o'clock my time, they're just finishing their work day if it's a Pacific time client, you know? Mm-hmm. And so my schedule allows for me as an investor agent to be a little bit more nine to five Monday through Friday. And if they send me an email on a Saturday, they're not really expecting me to respond till Monday morning. Um, And so that decision to be an investor agent has really helped that. Um, But I will say, because I've been in residential for a long time too, you know, we, we talk about putting your big rocks first. If your family is really important and you've got kids and you, you want to, build your lifestyle to fit that. I remember I watched a video of an agent who had done over a hundred transactions. Um, and it was kind of part of my agent onboarding processes. It was like, Mike, go watch this video or admin onboarding process. Watch this video. Guy sold a hundred houses and he worked one night in the entire year, um, <laughs> night or weekend. And this gal was interviewing him and she's like, well, how are you able to do that? And his response was, you know, a lot of people would be willing to be flexible if you ask them. Mm. And that was his mindset. So we could either operate under the mindset of I'm an agent. I have to be 24 seven all the time, Monday through Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Or I can, right. Yeah. Or I can say my family's important. My, these things are important. And Hey, can we do a showing after that? Or can we do a showing the next morning? And they have, you know, buyers and sellers have families too. Yeah. And you and and I think if you just, you know, the way we phrase it typically is I have an appointment, you know, yep. I have an appointment at five o'clock. Well, what's your appointment? They're, they're not going to ask, but your appointment is I'm coaching my son's baseball game or my appointment is I'm having dinner with my family. Yeah. You just say I've got an appointment at five. I can call you at seven. Is that OK? Mm-hmm. And and so start with the mindset of I can do this instead of a an and or it's a both. And how can I do my business and live the life that I want to live. Yeah. On the podcast this past month, Mike in May, I talked all about margin and balance and like how to not feel overwhelmed. Um, And I shared a story. It's just so interesting because I think we often get in our heads. I had a client and I was last year, they actually just bought a house in early May, but uh, they asked me my son's birthdays in September. And I remember this past September, they were meeting with me for the first time. And they said, can you do September 2nd at 9am? And I think, I think I was like, I could have done it, but I think like my mother-in-law was taking my son somewhere at 10 a.m. And so I knew he was going to go for a nap at 10. So I'm like, wait a second, if I don't see him at nine, you know, eight to nine, 
you know, I'm not going to see him until four o'clock on his birthday. So I was so nervous and said, and people on the podcast have heard this because I think it's so important to share multiple times, but I was so nervous, like, oh my goodness, what are they going to do? They're going to like pick another agent. And she literally responded like, yep, family's important. Get it. Now, if I would have felt super nervous, I could have been like, I have a meeting that morning, but, but it's just so true. Like you don't have to work 24 seven, even in residential real estate, like you have to have boundaries. So I really appreciate that insight. And well, yeah. and the other thing I'll add is, you know, I'm, I, I love real estate teams. That's part of the value of having a yes. team is there's other agents on the team that can help. Or if you're a solo agent, there's other agents in your market center, or your office that can also help. And so finding somebody that you can call and say, hey, can you do this showing for me? And I'll do a showing for you. You know, and so that's yeah. the thing, like, let's open up our mind and be creative. Now, this is coming from a very lineal thinker. You can talk to my wife, I think, in a straight line sometimes, encouraging people to open up your mind and think differently because, yeah, there's other agents that would love to help you out. Mm -hmm. Make a friend in real estate. You help each other out to balance your schedule and 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 live the family life and the recreational yeah. life that you want to live. And you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. We'll help each other out, get through this together. Oh, I love that. So good. Tell us, all right, piece of advice for realtors. Now, a lot, you know, a lot of the listeners to my show are residential, working with clients, but what would be a piece of advice to them? They're feeling overwhelmed. They're feeling like the rates are going crazy. What would be something you'd, you'd encourage them with? Yeah. So, so I've worked with a lot of new agents just getting into real estate. And what I find is a lot of times they, they think in, in the short term. So it's, Hey, I just came from this other industry. Here's the amount of money that I was making. I'm not making that right now in real estate. So I'm going to go back and do that other job because I could make more money. <laughs> and what we're selling ourselves short is we're not thinking about year two in real estate, year three in real estate, year five, year 10. And then my piece, which is the whole investment side, mm -hmm. um, you know, one of the things that I, I don't think we we talked about this on the episode is I partnered on a 25 unit building this year. And so what if I told you that year three in real estate, you're going to meet the person that's going to do a partnership deal on a 25 unit building with you? Would Would you feel like, okay, month three, oh, my copy sales job, I made X that month and now I'm making Y. So I'm going to go back to that. And so I've told people, you got to scrap and claw and figure out how to hang around long enough until it clicks for you. And and that will be worth it. But if you got to take out a loan, if you got to borrow some money from a friend to be able to make next month's mortgage, to be able to build your client base, it will be worth it in real estate. Because like we talked about, real estate's where most millionaires are made. And so you got to hang around long enough till it clicks and and don't compare year 10 in a sales industry oh. to year one in a real estate industry. Agents just look too short-sighted and they think, well, I'm going to go back to that job. But you don't know what year 10 in real estate could be. You could be making a million dollars a year versus your $100,000 a year sales job. Mm -hmm. Well, and and again, in, in, hey, people on this show know I hate W-2 jobs for the most part. In a W-2, for the most part, right? My brother-in-law operates a Chick-fil-A, treats his employees great. So that's it, right. But most jobs, you are a number, you are replaceable. They do not care about you for the most part. Yeah. So I, I love that input on like you, the potential you're going to make over your career in real estate. 
So let's shift as we close out our time. Tell us more about the podcast. Tell us more about the membership for investors. Uh, and just tell us like, if someone is listening and wants to connect with you, where they can find you. Yeah. So, so I started my podcast, the, the Real Freedom Podcast, two and a half years ago because I wanted to show people different ways that they could build wealth through real estate. Now, you know, investments is is where I'm spending time, but I also want to highlight people that are building other businesses inside of real estate. So our podcast highlights different people. Now, there's people that invest. There's quite a few people that invest, and we show different ways that you can invest, but we also highlight people that are building virtual assistant companies, transaction management companies, marketing companies, people doing real estate leads. So there's a lot of different ways that you can build wealth in real estate, and so we want to highlight that. Um, so that's the Real Freedom Podcast. Um, we have new episodes that release every Thursday. Um, you can check out John's episode. I'll have to give you the the episode number and, and you can maybe put that in the notes. But um, but then the other piece is really taking this conversation of wanting to help agents succeed in investment real estate, not knowing where to start, not knowing who to talk to, not knowing how to go about this. So I've kind of done two things. I created a membership platform where there's educational tools um, to be able to show you, here's how you can find deals. Here's how you can analyze properties um, and really showing you different ways that you can succeed. We also are going to deep dive into um, kind of 200, 300, 400 level tasks or um, things like um, self-directed IRAs and uh, doing 1031 exchanges and cost segregations to save money on taxes. like That's all the stuff that we'll get to in the future, but we want to give you some educational tools. And then the other piece is the mastermind group, which is networking with other agents just like you. So it's any agent, any brokerage, any state, people that are trying to figure out how do I get property number one or how do I turn property mm -hmm. number one into property number two, three, and four, and and so it's a mastermind and it's great networking, be able to 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 learn what other people are doing, what they're finding successful, maybe deciding what you don't want to do. Um, but it's really a commitment to a group of people of we want to help each other achieve our investment goals. And so we meet weekly, talk about different topics, and we're building and growing that. Well, and and Mike, I, I said to you before we started recording, but I'm so excited for you. I was kind of starting my membership and you kind of started yours a little after that. And I'm just so impressed. Guys, before we started recording, he showed me this library of stuff you get as a, you know, in the membership. And holy cow, there is so much good stuff. So definitely check it out. Honestly, I've been like, I've got a standing meeting, but I might shift some things around and join what you're doing, Mike, with the, in, uh, the membership for investors, because I just think... I'm looking to invest. I think it could help a ton. So, and what I think is cool too is like, Mike, I see this in my membership. Um, in my membership, right, for mostly residential realtors, people are like, hey, I need a referral partner. And I'm like, oh my goodness, there's someone in Ocala, Florida that I know. There's, I'm, I'm here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So it kind of gets you connected. So with what you're doing, you know, you were sharing how someone in the group was like, oh, I'm looking for a spot for deals like this. And someone in the group in Alabama was like, oh yeah, I have a spot. I have a property like that. And so I think if you're thinking about investing, check out what Mike's doing with his membership and mastermind, because you might be like, oh, well, I don't know. I only have this much to invest and they can help and coach you through. Here's where I would invest those funds. So I was just going to say, I think partnership opportunities can grow out of it. 
you know, passing deals back and forth. Um, and so there's a lot more of what we want to do in the future, but it's, it's finding like-minded individuals, hooking arms and saying, we're going to go through this together and help each other um, along the way. So much in real estate, man, it's just so true. It's about, uh, you know, who do you know, who can you connect with? And so I'm so proud of what you're doing, guys. And, and I think it just, it helps everyone grow. A membership or mastermind, investing in yourself helps you guys so much. So if you're thinking about investing, check out what Mike's doing. So Mike, if someone's interested, um, I'll make sure I link the Real Freedom podcast in the show notes. But where, if they're like, oh my goodness, this guy's like awesome. Like where can they connect with you about, you know, potentially joining the the membership? Yeah, so all the details are on uh, our website, agentinvestormastermind.com. So agentinvestormastermind.com. That actually links to the Real Freedom page, but it's easier to remember that. Um, and so we've got the information there. Um, or you can reach out to me, um, Mike at realfreedom.com. And that's R-E-L freedom stands for real estate leverage freedom. So Mike at R-E-L-freedom.com and happy to have a conversation. And, and that's a thing like, I just want to help people, right? Mm -hmm. Like this isn't about a sale. It's about helping people navigate their course. And so reach out to me if it's just a, this is what's rattling around in my brain. I'm trying to think through this. I love talking with people and helping people. So just reach out and we can have a conversation. Mike, uh, thank you so much. So guys, yeah, make sure you check it out. It'll all be in the show notes and check out agentinvestormastermind.com. And that's where you can connect with Mike. So Mike, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate you. Uh, proud of what you're doing. And it's just been cool to connect with you and, and see how you're growing your business and help each other. Uh, appreciate you for coming on. And I hope you have an awesome rest of your day. Awesome. Thank you so much. And I know you're doing amazing things with your group as well. I've been on one of the calls and was blown away by oh. that power of the mastermind, right? It's the power of the people together helping each other out. So it's a, it's a great concept. Well, thanks so much, man. Have an awesome day and thanks for your time. Thank you. What is up, guys? Hope you guys enjoyed this interview with Mike Swenson. I know it was very valuable for me, even as I kind of went through it and took notes and then went back through it to kind of record this outro uh, and some of my you know highlights from the episode. I took so much value away from my time with Mike. So Mike, thanks so much. Really appreciate you for uh, you know coming on today. And I wanted to kind of, as we close out, talk to you guys about a few of my takeaways. Uh, so I think one of the biggest things is, you know, the reason Mike started the membership that he does really came from the question that he asked that said, what if you don't have to be an agent till you die? And I think so much about this, right? As I've kind of made my move over to eXp and my new brokerage, so many of my decisions were based around, you know what? What if I don't have to always sell houses and always, you know, be working with clients? Not that I'll ever stop working with clients, but eventually, and you guys have seen this in my business, eventually my income shifts to, you know, more reoccurring income, which has happened through the membership and mastermind. Uh, and now will happen, you know, as we get into the investing side as well. So, you know, and I love how he kind of said he wanted to help and plant seeds, that he wanted to be a part of solving this, right? That where people feel like their future is more than just the next sale. You know, I love and laughed a lot at his point. Basically, real estate is like, you know, you know, on the stock market, you can't insider trading will put you in jail, but with real estate, and you know, he kind of used the analogy that insider trading is fine. Um, and he kind of said how, like, 
real estate is the industry where most millionaires are made, but so many real estate agents, right, realtors out there are not using the tools that they have at their disposal. They're so focused on the client experience that they kind of forget that they can be, you know, looking at investment properties as well. You know, and I love how he kind of talked about shifting the mindset, right? He said, I'm an agent and an investor, right? So even for those of us that are just doing residential sales right now, totally fine. But how are we going to get to, right, door number one and, you know, get to property number one? Well, you have to devote time to it, right? Um, you have to stretch those those muscles, you know, that investor muscle. But I do think even taking that in, and again, if you're just in residential right now, maybe you're a newer realtor or growing your business, totally fine. But how can you, as you go through properties, think about, oh, you know, let's run the numbers on this. Would this be a good investment? Even if you're not actually going to buy an investment property right now, right? We might be buying one in a couple months or it could be a couple years, right? Well, what we want to do then is still have the mindset of an investor and think about the numbers as if we were buying that property. You know, and as he talked about stretching that muscle, it just is a great reminder, right? How do you get healthy? You go to the gym, you work out, you start with 10 pound uh, dumbbells and then 25 and then 50. You don't just start with the 50 or 100 pound ones, you're gonna overwhelm yourself and probably hurt yourself. So you gotta work that muscle in the same way, work that you know investor muscle and like he even said on the episode, now he can go on the MLS. And like he said, most of his deals are on the market, uh, but he can do a quick scrub and he knows the numbers pretty well to see. And I loved his point kind of closing out that it's all a mindset shift, right? For all of us, I believe and, and agree with him that it's a mindset shift. So uh, I would really encourage you, even with your clients, look at properties as if you were buying it as an investment. Would you buy it? Would you not? And I think that will make you more knowledgeable also for your real estate clients as well. And they'll see, you know, that you're very knowledgeable on if it's a good investment and be willing to kind of help and coach them as well. So huge thank you to Mike and thank you guys for listening to this episode. Make sure you check out all the work he's doing. You can go to R-E-L Freedom. So that's Real Estate Leveraged Freedom. So R-E-L-Freedom.com. You can see his podcast there blog, uh, all sorts of resources. Um, And basically from there at the top, you can see the membership and mastermind as well. Click the green bar at the top and take a look at it. And it kind of shows you the basic memberships with a ton of content that he showed me, which is absolutely amazing. Uh, but as well, the weekly mastermind. So I would encourage you to check it out. Uh, appreciate you guys for listening. Thanks again, Mike, for your time. And thank you all for listening to this episode. Hope you guys have an awesome day. And I will talk to you guys again on our next episode. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Survival Guide. If you enjoyed this episode, we would appreciate it if you'd leave us a review on iTunes. It helps others discover the show. Thank you so much. And we will see you on the next episode.